0: Welcome to In Conversation with Kathleen. I'm Kathleen Kettles. I'm a psychotherapist and I love people and their stories. In each episode, I'll be speaking with a guest about what the word success means to them. And at the end of each interview, I'll be discussing the episode with co creator and editor Remy. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to another episode of In Conversation with Kathleen. Today I have the great pleasure of talking with Lisa Marie Glover. Lisa's based in Leeds, West Yorkshire, England and is a songwriter, guitar teacher and trainee counsellor. Welcome Lisa, it's lovely to see you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) You're more than welcome. So I'd just like to start off by
1: asking my guests where you are today, what your life looks like and what you're up to. Well I'm in my bedroom uh, What am I up to? Well training Been doing a lot of that I'm um, in the middle of writing a couple of songs I do some work for Swan Song My partner is down in the front bedroom He works from home My son is at school He's five And uh, it's National Book Day So he's dressed up as a hobbit I made him a, a little cloak a while ago With a hood on So it's like he can go as a hobbit There you go Nice
0: Well that's <laughs> lovely That's such a great age isn't it Five year olds yeah. are still super keen And enthusiastic about all things All things either Star Wars or my Minecraft. (laughs) Yeah, that's brilliant. I love that. So let's go straight in then with the first question. What does the word success mean to you?
1: Oh, that's an interesting one. Because I've been thinking about that a lot recently. For years and years, I was striving to whatever make it means as a musician. Um, and it would get me into some really dark places and it can really start to attack your, um, I'm sounding all counselling now, self-worth. <laughs> but, it, but it can because, you know, you're constantly looking for um, approval, validation from outside areas. You want to feel validated in what you do. And, um, and I think... I've had to reassess what success is these days and realising more and more it's being content in what you do and feeling connected to things around you. I think if you can do that, that's quite successful. Mm-hmm. And do you think it's changed and evolved since you've become a mom as well? Becoming a mum made me reassess everything. Um, one thing that's happened since becoming a mum, about a year ago I got diagnosed as having ADHD. I'm now on a journey of questioning what's really going on and what i mean by that is i know there's a lot of links with trauma and adhd um and i think my dad very likely had adhd um but anyway yeah that that was a big thing because it made me realize i think it was suddenly being responsible for a whole other person you know really did have a knock on effect on me and my ability to just function in the most basic way sometimes and and the more i sort of thought about it the more i realized that Hold on a minute. The more I looked into ADHD, the more I realized, oh, this has been affecting me my whole life. Everything I was reading about, it's like, that's me. That's me. You know, so, yeah, having a parent, I mean, that, that's been a life changing thing getting that diagnosis uh I'm not really getting any support yet but I have a lot of coping mechanisms anyway but I I think it's it's made me look at a lot of things in my past it's made me question how I am with Harvey I've been having a lot of my own counseling really to try and you have to do it as part of your training anyway but I've continued it a lot longer than I was meant to actually continue it for because I realized I need this kind of support
0: so tell me then Lisa you don't have to answer anything I ask if you're not comfortable, by the way. What prompted you to go and get a diagnosis of ADHD?
1: What What actually prompted me to question it and realise I might have it was I used to teach guitar to a little lad whose mum was a GP. And she, we, we sat talking one day and she found out she'd just had a diagnosis. She was in her early 40s. And I'm like, you're a doctor and you've got ADHD? Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, yeah. Anyone can have it, and as he said, that's a lot of highly qualified people with ADHD. But um, I think it surprised me because, like so many people, I had this idea that it's a naughty boy syndrome almost. Okay. So really, yeah, it was. It was speaking to this lovely lady, and that's when I've started to get the ball rolling and you know try and find out the sort of root cause of a lot of things that yeah caused a lot of problems behind the scenes throughout my entire life, really. And did you feel when you found out
0: that's what it was? Were you able to sort of be kind to yourself about that diagnosis or were you a bit
1: angry about it? You know, I've recently written a song called Be Kind to Yourself. <laughs> yeah, really? That's funny. And it was definitely inspired by that. Yeah, there w- there was a mixed feelings. When when I actually had the meeting, it was an online meeting like this with the specialist, when he finally said to me, Yeah, I definitely think you have ADHD, which is mostly the inattentive. Because it's like it, there's impulsive and uh, hyperactive. And then there's also the attentive, uh, lacking attention. And sometimes you have traits of all three. And it's a bit of a spectrum, you know, different things. I think I was more impulsive and more hyper when I was younger. And now I'm just too tired to be. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, when he told me, I just burst into tears because it was like, oh, finally finally there's, like, something to explain. There was a period in my life where I wondered if I was bipolar because I could be really depressed or really high. But... It wasn't like quite as severe. I think people with bipolar, it's much more severe and it lasts for much longer. You know, the, the highs last so much longer and the lows are more severe and last for much longer. Um I'd questioned at one point if I was autistic on the autistic spectrum, if it was something to do with that. Um I'd gone through a lot of avenues over the years trying to just figure out what is it? Why am I why are certain things just not sitting right with me? And that sense of contentment, which when, when I first asked you that about what does
0: success mean? And you said, you know, sometimes just being content with what you have. Somebody with ADHD might find that difficult because they're always striving, striving, striving to fill that void almost Mm -hmm. yeah
1: the striving thing is a massive part of it and I think for so long I really was striving but was never quite clear on what it was I was striving for and I think that's why I say I think success is to I don't know it's success is a lot of things isn't it but I suppose that's the first thing that came to me because I did spend a lot a long time feeling really down on myself and feeling not good enough that's been a big phrase in my life in my own head not good enough Mm. Oh, you're just not quite good enough. Oh, it's okay, but it's not good enough, you know.
0: That's really damaging.
1: Yeah. Do you think that's linked to being an artist? Or do you think that's
0: a combination of being an artist and being neurodiverse? Oh, that's a good question. I think a lot
1: of broken people are artists because it's a way of dealing with the pain. <laughs> yeah. <true. laughs> I want to say broken, I say that loosely. I, you know it Yeah. Yeah, I think there was just an overwhelming need to try and express myself in some way you know, and try and figure things out. Some is good for that, I think. I've definitely used it in a therapeutic way a lot over the years. Different people say different things about the word success, but there's definitely this sense of
0: evolving. So when we're younger, it can start off meaning one thing. And then as we get older, it's like, actually, imagine me thinking that that was a sign of success you know getting up getting showered getting dressed yeah, yeah that can be a sign of success you know <laughs> I've made yeah, it someday. yeah <laughs> or I've got my kid to school I always remember my son uh, Charlie I was never one of those moms who rummaged through his bag and checked things out because I always hoped that he would be independent enough even as a little boy to yeah. tell me if there's a note from school or whatever I would always be the one phoning up other parents to say What's happening at school tomorrow? Is it this or is that? Is it is it you know like World Book Day? Have they got to dress up or do we need to pay fifty pence for Red Nose Day? Or what's happening? I remember walking him to school one day and and getting there and saying, "God, really quiet. Are we late?" And then it dawned, it was an in-service day. There was nobody there. Oh, no! (laughs) So he said, carry my bag, mum. We're just going to walk home now. But just (laughs) you carry my bag and it'll just look like we're out for a walk. Okay then. So that's the thing. But that's a combination of all sorts, I think. But I felt successful when I had read the letter, helped him with his homework. And got them to school on time. So, how did you get to this point? Now, looking back at what you said, you know what you, what you do with teaching guitar, training counselor, songwriter, beautiful singer, songwriter. Actually, I might add, I listen to your stuff on Spotify. So, do you have a hierarchy? Are all of them equally important,
1: or is one aspect more weighted than the other? It's weird now. These, I guess, I view the songwriting side of things as just something I do. Um, I've stopped worrying about it trying to be something bigger and now partly make my living from it. So I mentioned Swan Song. It's um it's a charity based in Leeds where I live. But we, we do some online work and so we can work with people all around the UK online. I've worked with a girl down south at one point. And what it is, we help people who are at the end of life to write songs if they want to, sort of to leave a legacy, you know, about their own life or some if they want to leave a song for somebody. Um, and the other side is we work with people who've been bereaved who want to write a song about the loved one. It's surprisingly uplifting as well. You know, I forget death is a difficult thing for a lot of people to talk about, um, and I think... For the first time in my life, I feel like I'm doing something. This is a success, I suppose. The thing I'm passionate about that I love doing, that I'll always do, even though I have days where I'm like, oh, I'll be bothered anymore. (laughs) (laughs) This thing that I was always striving to do from being a child, I actually use this skill now to help other people and that's like, amazing
0: that charity sounds brilliant we'll definitely share in the show notes you know what swan
1: song is about and how to contact yeah. there, there is a website you just google swan song project Leeds. it'll come up the website uh started by an amazing guy called ben buddy slack who's the strongest man in leeds at the moment big well-built guy and he's like just a gentle giant he's just oh, wow. a lovely inspiring guy so yes yeah, what song it's all came from Ben. so
0: That's fantastic. What a great idea. That's so moving. And I imagine it really is uplifting because you're getting details of somebody's life or their story to create something beautiful, like you say, as a legacy. That's fantastic. When you were travelling through your life and doing your career and your music, were there times when the dialogue was pretty negative. You mentioned having times when you were quite depressed.
1: Uh yeah, massively. I've gone through a whole massive, massive sort of um path of that where sometimes it's led me into situations that were not healthy, sort of relationship-wise. Um and, and that's not all my relationships, some just ended or whatever, but there's a few that come to mind. And I think there was a point in my late twenties I was sort of stuck in this proper job working at the Union Manchester and I wasn't doing a lot of music and I, I was really depressed. I just sort of didn't really know who I was. I'd lost touch with a lot of things. I'd gone really, I'd gone into this negative thought spiral about feeling, about playing music in the way I perceived certain things and scenes and feeling very much on the outside of everything and very alone. And it's funny, really. Yeah. Then I sort of moved to Leeds. I had a massive life change. Moved to Leeds around the age of 29. Had a lot of friends over here uh, who Remy's met a few of, actually knows a few of. And I just sort of set off on this new path I was doing all these random jobs I used to I've been like an extra on Emmerdale about eight times love you. <laughs> see me like walk into the pub or the shop or sat in the cafe having a coffee that's what I, I love yeah yeah so I was doing random stuff like extra work I was I was trying to sort of make it as a musician then it really did start to pick up I did a lot of I've done a lot of events work over the years you know playing at weddings and all that whilst in between gigging my own stuff but I think after, it was really especially after having Harvey, counselling had been on my mind for quite a while. And one of the things that moved me towards that was the summer before I had Harvey, I was doing a, a sort of on-running temp job at a medical practice. It was part of the university. And part of my job was that I used to have to call people into a side room from the waiting room and, and book them onto like um onto the referral system. And as I was doing that, that was initially like the scariest part of the job for me because oh no, I've got to deal with the general public. But what I found was Actually, it became my favourite part. And people, it's amazing how they'll come in a room with you, you know, if you're in a place like that, and they just open up and start talking to you. And I used to really enjoy it. And I used to think, I wonder if there's something like this that I could do as a job. Oh, yeah, hold on a minute. And I'd had counseling at this point. And I'd known about a course at Leeds City College because one of my friends used to work there. And I just sort of signed up initially for like a 10 week intro course and it's just gone from there. And I've just carried on training. Now I'm doing like a diploma and this summer I'll be qualified and yeah, I'm really enjoying it.
0: Brilliant. That's really good. I love hearing people's stories, you know. That's why I'm doing this podcast. But it's just so fascinating to hear the twists and turns that you had to take. So it sounds like moving to Leeds was a really good and positive step for you. Do you think that all that it was involved around moving to Leeds, did that help quieten the negative head mind chatter or did you have other ways of of calming the self-doubt and all that stuff that was happening before you
1: moved it's the journey i'm still on i do realize that a lot of my sort of the more practical side of a lot of my issues have come from having adhd there's more stuff beneath that though that i'm kind of as i say working through I definitely feel like now, for the first time ever, I'm I'm on this new path. I'll always do music. I play saxophone as well. I'm playing like um, a quintet called the Hornados, so we go out and play just all kinds of covers of stuff. That's kind of fun. But I do that for fun primarily. I'm not doing that striving to get somewhere with it. I do it because I want to hang out with these really funny daft people who are yeah. part of the group. We get to, like tonight we're getting together, it's Thursday night, and we get together. We call it sax therapy. We get together, play some sax, drink some tea, eat biscuits, and chat about all our crap. <laughs> but but that's something I've played sax for a really long time and and it's the first time like I've really felt a part of something and really enjoy just going, as I say, because I want to go there. Because we do make a bit of cash. It goes in a kitty and we go out for a meal sometimes or whatever. But do that because I want to do it, not because it's trying to be something.
0: I think that's a huge thing that you've just said there doing something because you want to do it not because you're trying to strive to achieve something and that's linked to contentment isn't it that sense of you know what am I going so fast for why do I enjoy this process of yeah other musicians people I love and have a laugh with and they earn a bit of money to go out for a meal with? when we try too hard to achieve something that we're not sure how really we're going to get there if we're going to get there and we yes. actually cherish the day-to-day interactions we have with people who are like-minded
1: and doing something that you love, like music. What a difference it makes, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Definitely. And I think there what you're saying, again, it's going back to that success word. For so much of my life, it was this constant unrest of never being able to sit still like I'm not doing enough there's something I'm not doing oh man I'm not doing enough of that and I'm failing fail that's a terrible word (laughs) I'm failing and it's like hold on a minute I just I want to just kind of be present and stop worrying about stuff that doesn't really matter and you know <laughs> that kind of thing really I've done my heading a lot over the years and I have just got tired of doing my own heading and I think Harvey, having Harvey has definitely been a big point that's kind of made me realize something's got to change here or I need to try and I'm always funny about the word happy because like you know who who's going to be happy all the time I think it's more about being you know this kind of contentment I suppose
0: it's so true I think we you know let's go on the social media rant social media has created this fakeness that people think they are having a harder or more difficult or more challenging life than those people who post all the positive yeah. stuff on facebook and it it does or well, it is linked to so many mental health issues because people are people who are striving anyway then yeah. look at Facebook and think, oh my gosh, I'm not striving hard enough. I need to work harder, work harder. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that's never going to be good. It's never going to be good. So when when you now recognise the contentment you have and the being a mum to Harvey and and doing the musical stuff and the swan song stuff and you're training, you know, you're about to be a you know fully qualified counsellor, which is fantastic. Yeah. Do you think there was always that sense inside of you that you knew, you know, you knew that you would be okay, that, you would succeed in whatever you put your mind to in whatever form that takes
1: Yeah, I think so I was talking about this actually recently that no matter how low I've got and sometimes, you know, if I've been in a bout of depression, it can be really dark but I feel like there's, there's something that I'm fortunate enough in me that's right there hiding right at the core of me that can always kind of pull me back out of it Um, It's not always easy, it's not always so visibly present, that's for sure, but I think fortunate to have that, whereas a lot of I think there's a lot of people out there who don't have that and obviously you can go to the darkest, worst places, sadly. I think there's been a lot of puzzle solving throughout my life and something's always kind of whirring in the background of what is it? What's going on? What's this what why am I so dysfunctional? What's why do I keep ending up in these kind of situations that aren't very healthy or Yeah, there's been a long quite a lot of puzzle solving and I sort of finally feel at the moment where I'm at that I'm sort of finally getting to the core of a few things. Some things that I hadn't really realised, sort of just to do with my family past and stuff and insight into certain things and learning to detach from certain things that you didn't realise were actually causing you quite a lot of pain. You know we gained so much knowledge just from
0: being present and being you know as we age we look back and we reflect and we go actually hang on there's one common denominator in this chaotic situation and it's me (laughs) you know so what do I need to do differently to stop that and it sounds like you're really Good at reflecting on family dynamics, other things that have perhaps made you think, oh, hang on, I need to change this.
1: And and I think it can take a long time because it's not always easy as well, is it? That's the thing. It's It can take a long time to get to the place to be able to do that without it causing you <laughs> <for> trauma or <laughs> getting you to close off completely and actually never deal with it. So, oh, Exactly. And yeah. so if you were to witness somebody,
0: either a friend, family, co-worker, who you recognised was in a place you were at maybe a few years ago what words of encouragement and guidance would you give them
1: that, that's a good point actually because sometimes it's it it is really hard and I guess it's if they're talking to me I, I'm always wary of I guess I mean it's funny obviously I'm training as a counsellor I'm not a counsellor in day-to-day life but you always have counselling skills once yeah. you learn you can't unlearn them um So I always try to remain objective and separate. And and the very core of what I'm training, person-centered, is like you don't tell someone what to do. They've got to figure it out for themselves. You're just there to support them. But, yeah, I suppose one thing I often say to people is what I'm really aware of more than ever is how much people are swayed by other people's opinions. Mm -hmm. And they're always like, you know, what do you think I should do? I don't know. You know, such and such a body said this and they're saying this. And I, I always try to say to them, what is it you want, though? What is it you're thinking? I think that's what really matters you as an individual, you know, so I think saying to somebody, all right, yeah, yeah, I hear that. Put that aside. What is it you actually want? What do you want to say to somebody or what do you feel? What do you think at your core that you should do? You know, I think it's that it's trying trying to not be in any way persuasive. It's fine to say, yeah, well, I guess I see it as you could do this or that, but you know, ultimately, what do you think? Mm -hmm. And and how people don't always, how many people don't trust themselves. And for so long, I didn't. I didn't trust my own point of view, my own thought. That's long. a really good point. And you're also
0: empowering that person when you say that. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's the point. Because yeah. 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 I am quite a bossy cow in therapy land. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a difficult thing because people can often see things that the person in it can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and i think you know i could I, I so but i try to i suppose it's only since going through the train and i realize let's try and give you the space to for you to figure out what you need to do
0: but i think that's a really good point that you give somebody the space to try and figure out what it they want without the judgment of what other people will think of that choice yeah
1: the- yeah that's it yeah and as i say you know it's easy to just say that as this is you know the idea the theory whatever you want to call it but but life obviously isn't that black and white and that's Mm -hmm. that's the point you've got to take your time to work through these things i guess
0: exactly and so when you've finished and got your diploma which is next year you said you'd qualify
1: so hopefully get 100 hours in by june i've got about 80 under my belt now um the the course and finishes at the end of june so
2: so what's your
0: plan then? What's your plan after you've you've qualified Ooh. and you've done your, your hours, your 100 hours? Well you, you want to do private practice? Do you want to work within a community?
1: Eventually, I'd like to do private practice. It's not something I want to do straight away because I, I want to really feel like – I mean, I'm self-employed anyway, so I already have a bit of an idea about running a business. You've, you've got to be pretty savvy with running a business because it's obviously if – you, if you're private practice, you're not just counselling. You have to think about it all. Um, But I think I just want to get some more experience as a counsellor and be if I'm going to go into private practice, I want to know that I'm absolutely happy that I can offer the best service. Um, So at my placement at the moment, there's a view to getting some paid work there anyway as soon as I qualify. Um, I've just been looking at jobs actually. Recently, um, last night, I was putting my son's bed on my phone scooting to see what's out there. But yeah, I think initially I'll just try and get, as much experience as I can, want to qualify and sort of get from there. Really, oh, uh,
0: that's great! What, an, what a good new chapter of your life. It sounds yeah. like it's going to be a good one. Yeah, and you can, you know, usually you can work it around your kids at school and things like that. So that'll be good for you, will not it? To, yeah, you know, well, it's...
1: that's that's it as well. It's the flexibility, you know. That there is a, I need that kind of flexibility in my life. Although I can end up functioning very well in a nine to five a few months in the cracks start to appear and I start to get really fatigued with it it just doesn't seem like yeah. I am
0: saying. So. yeah no that's good and again that's a good that's a success of you knowing yourself you know, you know your limitations you know where you're you shine and you know where you're not so enthralled with, with the nine to five after a while I know I think it's interesting because I think people with neurodiversity because of the way our society's structured we try to fit into that yeah, normal yeah. way of, of working but it really is not a one-size-fits-all way of living is it so good on you I wish you all the best with that well thank you so much for being a guest today I've really enjoyed speaking to you and hearing all your thoughts and your journey to this point can you share with us how people can find you the Swan Song you mentioned earlier on, but
1: but how people can find your music? For my music, I usually direct people to my Bandcamp page. So if you search Lisa Marie Glover and Bandcamp in Google, that's got like my, I've got an album on there called Push On Through, and that was the most recent. Yeah, the the album you've checked out. It's from over. It's about. 10 years old 11 years old so I don't tend to put stuff on Spotify so much these days because musicians don't get a very good deal so yeah check out Bandcamp I've got a website up as well occasionally I do like events work playing covers so I've got a website called The Lone Songstress that went a bit quiet with COVID, but that's been picking up again a little bit. Oh, I'll say one more thing. The Hornades. we've got a page up on Facebook now and like anyone wants five nutty saxophonists. To say. <laughs> uh, that sounds great. I love the sound yeah. of them. brilliant.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Okay, thanks for having me.
2: Well, that was fun. It was, wasn't it? Um, Lisa is an old friend of mine and we met, I think, maybe in about and eight or something like that. So yeah, about 15 years ago, I think. And um that was through music. So our our musical paths kind of intertwined a little bit for a few years and yeah she's an amazing musician virtuosic really on the guitar and beautiful singing voice so if the listeners get a chance to listen to her music I would definitely recommend it and yeah the saxophone and and also she's just a lovely warm person so I thought it'd be nice to kind of get her take on success because I think she's had a really interesting journey Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I've heard of Lisa over the years, because you often would stop and stay at Lisa's house on the way north to Scotland. And she was just lovely. You've always spoken highly of her. And she was just as lovely as I imagined. I'm really intrigued by the fact that there's so much neurodiversity out there, because this is another person who, as an adult, has been diagnosed with ADHD.
2: And, it yeah, it makes me wonder, like, what's the correlation and causation? And mm-hmm. is it something about the people that we're getting in touch with? Or yeah. is it the kind of person who's up for doing it? Or yeah, who's had a certain right. kind of life? Or that we're attracted to as people?
0: Yeah, um, I only want to be around neurodiverse people. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I just loved that, though. It was interesting hearing, you know, why she decided to go and get tested. And, you know, recognising there was perhaps a sign that there was a neurodiverse issue going on but um yeah she seems to be embracing that and embracing her life and all the different things that she's doing I'd really like to, again to hear this is another person saying contentment is such an important part of feeling successful you know having content with what you have and what you're doing
2: yeah I definitely agree with that and the and the idea of evolving an evolving theory of what success is and that being when you're younger being kind of trying to make it as she said and then later in life kind of just being content and being happy with what you're doing and I think especially in the music industry when you're kind of starting out you want to you know sometimes people want it want fame or they want to make their money from that and it was nice to hear her say yeah play with this band and we go out for dinner sometimes and and it's still a really nourishing hobby for her, which is yeah. nice. But also great to hear that she makes money from it as well, because she definitely, definitely deserves to be able to do that if she wants to. Mm-hmm.
0: No, it was lovely. And I like the sound of tornadoes. I think that's a great name for a band. And, and that's about the relationship you have with people. It's about the connection you have and that shared joy of making music and performing music. Um there's something really special about that life. You know, if you're into music and you are a performer,
2: there's nothing quite like it. And she also mentioned about sort of connecting with things around you. And I think there is a sense throughout her career and life since I've known her, it has been about connections and connecting with people through music, through like touring bands coming and staying at her house and she always had good connections with us and we would kind of swap as well. If she was down south, we would do gigs together and things. Um, and then, you know, going into the counselling and also doing the Swan Song, which is amazing. Oh,
0: the Swan Song sounds like such an amazing charity. I just think what a beautiful idea. There's definitely themes run through. You know, people like the question about what does success mean and talk a lot about how it has evolved. There's always an evolving story. It's not been fixed at about 12 years old. The fact that people have an idea and then suddenly as life just trundles along and they're bringing in new and interesting hobbies, pastimes, careers, friendships, relationships, they realise, hang on, what matters here is, and more often than not, it's about relationships and connections and feeling part of something bigger. Another interesting episode. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to In Conversation with Kathleen. I really hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoy making these episodes. In the hope that someone else benefits from listening to the show, please like, subscribe and share. I look forward to seeing you again
2: next time. Thanks for listening.